0: We underestimate ourselves and we overestimate the challenges out there. Sure. And due to this one single mindset flaw, we lose out so much. Don't overestimate your challenges and underestimate your ability to
1: deal with them. In this episode, we have an amazing speaker. Who's one of the most sought after speakers in India He's a motivational speaker. And you may, somebody may say, Oh, it's India. I mean, you look at the population of India, what is it? 1.5 billion people. And he's one of the top 10 sought after speakers. You have to listen to this. It is completely mind blowing. Simmerjit Singh, enjoy. I'm really, really excited and I wanna say thank you so much for for uh you know taking time out of your busy schedule for doing this. No, my um, pleasure, absolutely. You, you 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 posted something on Twitter and like I've heard it before, but it wasn't until you actually read it out loud. Mm-hmm. And I was like even just thinking about it, I got, you know, uh tingling, I got I got these little uh, goosebumps and it was a the poem that you that you read um that's uh that's Mother Teresa in Mother Teresa's uh oh, the poem and yeah. I mean, to read I mean, anyway, poem. Absolutely. I have it right here. And I, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it says uh, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self centered. Forgive mm-hmm. them anyway. Right. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you'll win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create Mm -hmm. anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will be never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God it was never between you and them anyway yep i mean you 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 said this and like i said it sent chills and in fact to the point where i actually said this i've heard it but now the vibration and this is in my office now like i'm I, i'm gonna go oh be- wow
0: um, it Please used help. to hang in uh, mother teresa's entrance wall of the um, the orphanage that she was looking after in kolkata it used right. to hang there um, although it's often said you know it's often said that she wrote it but she didn't actually write it there's another gentleman who wrote it but it's commonly she gets the credit but powerful reminder especially uh, you know in today's day and age that uh, we need to rise above expectations and a lot of her personal hurts and you know emotional wounds they all emerge from hey, I did this for this person, and now I'm expecting this back, and it didn't come, and therefore, you know, what an unfair world it is. And what happens, since you talk about the mindset, Mark, what happens is gradually if we allow this thought to sink in, we develop a mindset which says, hey, the world is unfair, the world is out to get me, so I'm going to stop giving, right, because people take and they don't give back. And what we don't realize is, uh, I think what Dr. Wayne Dyer said it beautifully, when you say to the universe, how can I serve? The universe says it back to you. How can I serve you? But not directly. And that's that's where we make the mistake. It, it comes around it in a beautiful, unexpected way. So this unconditional giving is so powerful. And this poem, I find it very therapeutic because a lot of our emotional wounds, you know, whether it's friends and families or business contacts or wherever, yeah. a lot of our hurts come from expectations.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One of my coaches, uh, his name is uh, Tim Story. Um, And he says, God's opinion of you makes man's opinion of you irrelevant. Wow. wow! you know, Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. profound. So, and um, so, I mean, let's, let's get right to this. Uh, Samarjit, let's, let's let's talk, you know, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much. And I'm just in utter awe. Maybe you could talk to, talk to our audience. Talk to me about uh, maybe some background about yourself. And where your journey began?
0: <laughs> well, my journey started in a small town in Punjab. It's called Batala, in district a a small borough town. That's where I was born. Right. And uh, that's where I lived uh, up until grade 12th. And then I moved to Chandigarh, which is uh, in, uh, the bigger city in North India, for my, to study hospitality management. And um, as fate would have it, 2000, uh, well, 1999 was the year when I moved to Sydney, Australia for my higher education to complete my hospitality studies. My first job happened to be in Scottsdale, Arizona with Marriott mm-hmm. International. Um, some personal events would um, create the circumstances for me to move back to India I was on a temporary visa in the United States at that point of time moved back um, to be with my dad um, who was breathing his last due to cancer Um, and this unexpected thing happened so I started again started my journey once again so just when my career trajectory was about to take off this this unfortunate uh, event happened Um, and then um, the next six to seven years again working for different hotels uh, across the world. 2007 is the year when I had the sort of inner awakening, the gradual inner awakening, the buildup of the discontent and the boredom that there's more out there, there's more I can do with my life. Um, I'm not going to spend the last, the next five years of my life just like I've spent the last five and how can I, you know, rediscover and that's when I decided 2007, Mark, to pack my bags and move back to India once again. There was something that was, um, Pulling me back home, family of course, one of the reasons um, to give something back uh, from what I've learned was another. The fact that it's gonna be a safe ground for an entrepreneurial experiment, which was huge, to leave my job, to leave the industry, to leave my British permanent residency and move back to India and start all over again. And to just, um, you know, Dip my feet into the water in this entirely new field of uh, life life coaching and motivational speaking. So that was 2007. It was a vague sort of picture that pulled me forward. It wasn't like I woke up one day and realized I wanted to do what I'm doing now. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't like that. It was a vague picture uh, which had something to do with service, contribution. Let's make the world a better place. Let's explore your strengths. You know, let's um, not be restricted to corporate environments which don't allow you to flourish fully. Um, and that's when my journey as a professional speaker started uh, in the current line of work what I'm doing right now I'm still based in a tier 2 city in India. It's, it's not like one of the metros. It's called it's Jalandhar in Punjab That's where I'm based uh, because when I moved back Mark, I decided well if I have to Uh, move within the country. I mean, I I was born and raised around this area. So, if I have to move to the tech capital, to Bangalore or Hyderabad or Mumbai, or one of those bigger cities, then what's the point of moving back home? I haven't moved back home. So, I would do justice to moving back home if I'm based in, you know, around close to where I live. So, um, that was sort of a restriction I put upon myself and um, it served me well. The fact that I was not based in a big city in India forced us to go digital forced us to think creatively in order to market the services and um, god has been kind the almighty has been very kind Uh, i serve uh, it's it's a b2b model largely i work with large corporations across the world now largely as a virtual keynote speaker Uh, the areas i speak around uh, are self-development growth mindset leadership, innovation, and culture. So, you know, pulling in uh, lessons from my work experience with different nationalities. Grand Hyde, Dubai, I was I was leading a team which had 50 different nationalities. Uh, so all these crazy work experiences, Mark, with diff- people from different backgrounds, different cultures, when they come together to achieve one goal, uh, you learn so much in the process. So it's it's about giving, giving it back to society, to corporations, saying, hey, you know, if I reflect back on it, there's a better way it could be done. And I use that as an example in my keynotes.
1: Wow. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 you. it's it, it, amazing. You talk about uh, India and uh, Mother India. Mother India has uh, it has this attraction. It's like a and now, now I've never been to India. I've had the opportunity to go in the past. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I've never been to India. But it's funny. But my heart, I, I feel like I'm going to India and maybe it's going to happen. And uh, the connections i've made and that kind of stuff so i really really can't wait sure more-
0: you should yeah yeah of course why not oh, wow. once but not right now not right now let this whole <laughs> let the world come back to normal with this post-covid absolutely. era once everyone is vaccinated yeah yeah yeah.
1: absolutely um so you said in 2007 this is when the journey of of being a motivational speaker and a life coach like at 2007 i mean i can only imagine how you, you know you're young as it is but to come uh-huh. in as a life coach like how do you dispel that when you have people saying oh look at this young kid he wants to be my motivational speaker and my life coach <laughs> this kid just learned how to tie his shoes like right. how, how do you dispel that
0: well you don't let that enter your head you don't let that factor limit what you have to say Um, That's again, uh, you know, connects back to what you said. You know, some person's opinion of you does not have to be greater than God's opinion of you or your own opinion about yourself. But, you know, given given the fact, the nature of how people, perception is everything, right? Mm. Perception is reality in terms of, so perception is if you are able to, and and what factors fuel perception? Your location, your race, ethnicity, you know, uh, where this person comes from, past experiences, age, of course, is a huge factor. So we use all these factors to quickly sort of pigeonhole people say, okay, you know, this based on my previous judgment, this is what this person is capable of doing. And I think it's so much fun proving people wrong. And that's what I enjoy doing, Mark, <laughs> to, post-2007. Well, granted, I had raised eyebrows. Well, but raised eyebrows within the family first. And of course, in when I walk into boardrooms or in conference rooms, and of course, that would happen. It happens till date. Um, you know, th- this is sort of an industry which rewards, uh, which believes that wisdom is somehow tied in with the uh, Gray hair and uh, age and you know, so you know that criteria. Oh, yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah Well, I've colored mine so <laughs> <laughs> Right uh, but um, I feel it's so much fun proving people wrong. And I think that's what I was missing pre 2007 because it's all become so predictable. Uh, because you're an expert now I, uh, in, in your field. I spent eight years in the hospitality industry. Pre opening hotel properties was my experience. So, you know, one pre I would love the, the joy of the thrill of a new hotel opening. There's so much to do cutlery, crockery to be ordered, there is SOPs to be written, there's menus to be written, people to be hired, uniforms to be designed, interiors to be designed, uh, you're networking with PR firms, you're lo- you know, the grand launch is coming, it's so much happening. And then these, the property sort of settles into a routine and it's more everyday thing. But I think I was missing that thing about proving people wrong. But uh, w- what, what fueled my journey was I did not allow this thing to uh, enter my head um, yeah. and, w- w- you know, uh, so it's 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 like one of those self-limiting beliefs if you allow it to grow in your mind it will become substantial but if you if you are not even giving it any weightage if it doesn't exist for you right it's it's like that uh, that runner i hear from uh, i I don't know his name but i've heard the story there was this um, cross-country marathon somewhere in australia and this guy was just um, you know would uh, be typically chasing his sheep uh, and somehow entered the race. He was not a professionally qualified runner. He didn't know he was running but he won and you know there were athletes who had put in so many years of practice and then they discovered this whole new, his way of running and all he was doing was he was he was imagining, he was visualizing that it, it's a thunderstorm and he's got to bring his sheep back uh, to the farm safely and he was talking to God that this is a real incident. He was talking to God during, during that thunderstorm and he won because he didn't know what the rules were. He didn't know other folks have put in four years of professional uh, practice into this. He didn't know they were on special diets or had hired special coaches. He just showed up, and I think that's part of the journey is to just show up and not let any of this, any of this, bother you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I've never heard that. That is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Very fascinating. Um, so one of the things that so just so you know is so I, I, I call myself the seven two mindset investor, in and, and, and mm-hmm. so. So we're, I used to call myself the 7-2 real estate investor. So my background is, is high ticket sales. Um, you know, at the end of 2021, we'll have done over $100 million in sales. And mm-hmm. I, I just really enjoy it. I do real estate investing. I do, of course, motivational speaking. I have a podcast and so forth. But right. I used to call myself the real 7-2 real estate investor, but I had this, this shift. And I realized real estate is simply the vehicle. The thing that mm-hmm. I became an investor of is investing in my mindset and what right. you're saying. And it's because if you don't invest in your mindset, it just becomes like, overgrown weeds, and you get caught in the weed, so to speak. In the weed, what do weeds do to grass? They suffocate grass, and that's mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, so I, I love how the fact you keep on bringing it back to mindset because that is my that is my passion, and um, the reason that, where the seven two comes from is uh, I'm not sure if you know Gaurav Bugget. Uh, he's a great speaker out in India as well. And um, so he's a poker player, so he understood. So 7-2 is the worst oh, nice. possible hand. Mm. It's the worst possible mm-hmm. hand in poker. Um, mm. You get a 7-2 and in, in, in you play poker, you want to fold that hand. But in life, we can't control the hand that we're dealt, but we can control no, how we no. play that hand. Um, yeah. One of your books that you recommend, that you, one of your favorite books is Viktor Frankl, uh, mm-hmm. Man's Church of Meaning. Man's and I love Church it. Meaning. I'll paraphrase that. In that book, he says, it's not the circumstance that defines you. It's how you choose right. to respond to that circumstance, how you play True. that hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: in your life, did, you know, maybe you could share a 7-2 moment where you had that hand. Mm-hmm. and you Many. And this, the stats were against you, but you still played that hand. Mm-hmm. You have one that really stands out for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you talk about uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, and I'm reminded of another talk, uh, actually an appearance on Oprah at that point of time, which deeply left uh, an impact on me, and that was Professor Randy Posh. Uh, the last lecture he was still alive and he was giving he gave that last lecture which was later on turned into a book as well and then he passed away uh, subsequently a couple of months after that and uh, I happened to watch it when he was going through that cancer thing and he did the push-ups and opera show etc and he said he said something very powerful about cards and he said exactly what you said it resonates with me and and this uh, Randy Porsche philosophy here uh, you cannot control the hand that you dealt, uh, it's how you, It's you cannot control the cards that you dealt, it's how you play the hand. And I think that applies to life every single moment, you know, you cannot, you can burn yourself out and you can waste all your precious uh, energy trying to control external circumstances, but all you all you can control is what do you do, you know, when it comes to when it comes to you when, when your back is against the wall? And I love that poster that's right behind you. That's uh, Muhammad oh, Ali yeah. and uh, Sonny Liston that that right. Uh, fight, right? And yeah. when your back is against the wall, the Chinese philosopher Sun Tzu he calls it the death ground strategy. And uh, from his theory of warfare, he said that soldiers can find fight three or four times more fiercely if what they're facing is imminent death if it's not like oh casually we're just going to conquer a new land if it's a matter of life and death the same soldier will fight three or four times more aggressively because now it's a question of life or death and that's the death ground strategy that's burn your ships burn we've your ship we've, all, we've heard that phrase right right and that's a high risk game but agreed you are going to end up in situations where, um, as you said, the, the 7-2 moment in poker. Uh, for me, I distinctly remember, Mark, The uh, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, young 21, 20-year-old, 20 having the time of my life, enjoying myself and uh, careers taking off, working with a great company, nice perks to travel around and stay at different properties with Marriott and car rentals, etc., etc. Doing what a 22-year-old 20, should be doing, and even, even better than that. And then uh, this Saturday morning, there's... Uh, there's this uh, light flashing on the landline. The land, we didn't have a lot of mobiles back then, but the landline, the light is flashing messages, you know, voice messages. And I listen to the messages and it's my sister and she doesn't sound, uh, you know, the tone is telling me that something is not uh, well. And then she told me that dad's not well, he's got cancer, call back home. And um, that was uh, that, that. was the beginning of a 7-2 moment for me mm-hmm. uh, because uh, here I had planned a new life uh, a new international hospitality career. I just graduated from one of the finest uh, hotel management institutes in, in the Asia Pacific, that's the Hotel School Sydney. Well, life was just starting off, right? And then on the, uh, so I had to choose to be with him in his last uh, moments um, as cancer took, took him away from us or to attend to my careers because I was on a temporary visa myself. And due to all those restrictions, I spent the next six months shuttling back and forth between Arizona and uh, PGI Chandigarh, where he was admitted, until one young doctor told me all he has is six months to live. And that's when I took the call. I said, well, I, I, I don't want to live with regret and I can build all, all of this once again. You know it's a global world I mean you know I don't want to blow this out of proportion but I need to be back with him and that's that's when I took the call and it was very difficult because uh, you know you constantly comparing yourself with how the careers of your peers are uh, growing during the same time when you think you're stuck but I think that's that's a choice that I'm completely comfortable with as I look back because otherwise it'd be full of regret and it was one tough moment when I had to uh, you know build my whole career trajectory all over once again and and I, I believe fate comes to your assistance. So so many people uh, help comes from unexpected quarters, and you can all you can make sense of all of this as you look back in hindsight. Because at the moment, if, when you're going through these challenging circumstances, you you're going to uh, you're going to find them very painful, very traumatic, and you're going to ask why me. But as, as you will look back, it will all make sense to you. So in the next thing I that emerged due to this move back home, which was without a job, you know, I said, okay, I'm just going to be there with him. Um, and then the Radisson opened in, in Jalandhar which was a which was one of the first five star properties to come up in our area. And I applied and I they hired me and although, you know, everything was different but at least I had a job and um, but but then uh, I, I was hired as the food and beverage uh, manager, uh, which was you know two or three steps up from where my last job. So I, I feel that this adversity develops inner strength, all of these situations they develop the inner strength in you. Uh, and also with all these situations that may seem very scary at first, I think we this is a human tendency, we underestimate ourselves and we overestimate the challenges out there. Sure. And due to this one single mindset flaw, mm-hmm. we lose out so much all the problems out there we blow them out of proportion okay. Oh, this is this is going to wreck my life and this is the end of everything no it's not you can rebuild it and we underestimate our ability hey you did it before you could do it again right it's within you and so that's that's my message to everyone who might be might be tuning in to this, to this conversation right now is don't overestimate your challenges mm-hmm. and underestimate your ability to deal with them mm-hmm. right that If the if the challenge is there, you have very much within you the ability to deal with it. That ability might be sleeping. And that's why perhaps the challenge is there, to wake it up. So you can use and fully tap into your inner power. And um, I feel this, uh, you've got to bounce back. The, the Japanese uh, proverb says uh, life is all about falling down seven times and getting up eight times and falling down seven times and getting up eight times. Look at the wonderful inspiring story of Elon Musk and SpaceX and the wonderful things they are doing you know just the fact that they very first one of their very first aviation things the barriers that they broke was how to land a rocket vertically back on earth which was one of the first and they lost so many rockets and so much of their net worth was wiped off because it was failure after failure after failure and very public failures you know being broadcast on on television all across. Okay. Uh, and they tried multiple ways a drone ship in the sea and so many other things didn't work until now it's be- it's become like a routine thing for spacex to be landing rockets yeah. vertically back you know
1: <laughs> well it's it's like that uh, saying uh, you know the roger bannister right who mm-hmm. broke the, the 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 mind shift barrier of running a marathon in under in four minutes because mm-hmm. no one thought it was possible physicians everybody yep. said you cannot do it you will die there's all these things but soon as soon as he did that Soon as he broke that four-minute mile, within weeks other people started breaking that four-minute mile. Uh, it's you know someone has to set the stage.
0: Now conventional wisdom, right? That was that was the conventional wisdom at that point of time. People saying, and this guy, did you know what Roger Bannister? He was a medical student. He was not a okay. professional athlete. He was a medical student and he read in, well, one of the coaches uh, saying in the paper, it's medically impossible yes. uh, or it's biologically impossible for a human body to run a mile under four minutes. And that's when that aha moment came to him. I mean, it's like, again, back against the wall. It's like he being a medical student, he said, come on, you cannot set those limitations on the human body. And that's where he
1: shattered those myths. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, let me ask you a question here. Um, sure. Does one... Does one have to find their purpose or does a purpose find them?
0: I think uh, you know okay we're gonna go a little bit into the spiritual world here please, and I would, please, I, would, I, I, would I would draw upon the wisdom of uh, the Sufi saint Rumi who said what you are looking for is also looking for you so it's like uh, and now this is what he said about I-, I interpret I interpret this as your search for your purpose. what you're looking for is also looking for you but also he said this about lovers mark and he said this. Lovers don't finally just meet somewhere, they're in each other all all along, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so powerful. And when I say, now combine the two, combine the two and you say, maybe you don't just find your purpose one fine day, your purpose has been in you all the way along right it's always been in there what you need to do and this is my perspective is you need to remove the layers and layers of conditioning that you pick up on this journey the layers and layers of uh, the material world trying to convince you don't take chances or don't do this it's a safe path i don't know who said this but this is often said about um, addictions two of the biggest addictions on planet earth happen to be nicotine and a paycheck and uh, paycheck is way way more addictive. Um, So we have to, all we need to do in in discovering of a purpose, I believe, is to just remove the layers of conditioning um, and look at it as a child's perspective once again. Let's say everything is provided for, and mom and dad, or an Indian or Asian mom and dad, we're always very generous with looking after their kids. Mom and dad are providing everything, and you have the opportunity to go after something. Mm -hmm. What would you do, right? And that, that's going to perhaps uh, sort of start that internal process for you to identify where would I like to invest the rest of my mental, physical, spiritual energy, right? right? right. Um, and it's 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 been there in you since childhood, but somehow you move, now it might not be in the same form, hmm. but uh, it, it will emerge, it will take shape. When I moved back in 2007, it was about I didn't have a specific idea, as I already said, about what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about service. It was about entrepreneurship. Something to do with self self development or education, you know, in that education sector. Um, and then one and so you start with a vague picture, uh, as you know, when it comes to discovering your purpose. You and be comfortable with it. Now, a lot of people don't start the journey because they say. Say, I can't clearly see my purpose. You're a motivational speaker now. and uh, But when I look ahead, it's a really vague picture. And I tell them, well, this is how it's supposed to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a clear picture the moment you take the first step. All you will see is a vague picture. And you'll perhaps see one or two or three little elements of that picture saying, aha, this is the right way. Uh, and then <clears throat> on your path, you're going to see a flash of lightning every no- one now and then. That's God telling you you're on the right path. But I'm testing you to see if you're committed enough to continue walking. And and then as you move forward, uh, the next steps are going to become clear to you. As you move forward, the picture will become clear to you. So I personally believe uh, a lot of people don't start this journey ever due to the fact that they're not comfortable with the uncertainty. That, that uncertainty is nerve wracking for them. They'd rather retreat back into their shell of certainty and stay there the rest of their lives, even though that certainty is miserable, but they will never take this risk of stepping outside. And a beautiful example comes to my mi- mind here, Mark. It's about, uh, you know, some of these hotels and conference centers, they have these automated light systems mm-hmm. to save energy. And you will see a long hallway, dark, as I saw in Delhi sometime back, dark long hallway. But interesting thing happened as I step forward, is that detection system, mm-hmm. right? And the first light comes on. And that's enough for me to move the next four or five feet. Right. As I cover the next four or five feet, the next light comes on. Mm-hmm. And i like, wow, okay. This ain't dark. This hallway is not dark, but the lights are only going to come forward when I move forward. So it's conditional. And that is the contractual relationship we have with our purpose as well. Purpose is telling you, you take a step forward, I'll become more clear to you, right? And you take a step forward. You can't just sit there in a room or in a workshop and figure out the purpose of your life. That's the biggest misconception that is being fed to us right now by fake gurus across the world, which is, you know, a pen and paper activity can help you define your purpose. I think it's very difficult. It's so theoretical because the moment you take your theoretical version of your purpose out into the real world, and you know, there's gonna be such a huge mismatch that you'll run away from it. So all you need to do is just, you know, explore. We were born explorers. Every single child on this planet came embedded with that DNA, the same DNA that Elon Musk is perhaps tapping into right now to take humanity to Mars. That explorer is within every single one of us. All we need to do is just understand, just unleash that explorer and not take your setbacks personally. You know This whole thing about if I make a wrong move, it defines me for the rest of my life. And I say that nothing could be further from the truth. Sure. Uh, the process of moving forward is going to involve wrong moves the fact that you're making wrong moves is a testimony that you're making progress if you're sitting still no wrong moves
1: very powerful your analogy about that light just Wow I mean it's so true I mean Tom by says it action cures all mm-hmm. action action creates energy energy just not yep. there. Act, you need the like, kinetic energy requires energy I mean, not energy need movement It needs movement. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, you know, I remember, I was talking this to my partner Zara, uh, my spouse, and I said, you know, I remember back in in, in elementary school, we had to do a science experiment where they put a light bulb um, and it would connect it to a bike. And the only way Uh you let it, you have to to pedal, 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 and then the light. Right, right, yeah, yeah. The
0: moment you stop pedaling,
1: there's no light. (laughs) Absolutely, and you're back in darkness. You're back in darkness. Mm -hmm. Very, very Mm -hmm. powerful. Um, Thank you. So, um, you're also like, you know, you're a sought-after a motivational speaker. One of the highly sought-after uh, motivational speakers in India. Your your trajectory is is exponential. But what's, I think it's really remarkable. You're a poet as well. Where does your passion for poetry come in? Now, let let me clarify here. I
0: have not actually written any poetry at all so far. Okay. <laughs> what what I've done is now this is what it, a good poem, a good piece of a verse, a good piece of literature. What it does is. It can pack in so much wisdom in just a few lines, and when you're down and when you're not, when you're feeling blue, you know. And if you read and understand and decode the intensity behind the author when they came up with this, um, I think it's just so powerful because um, the li- in, in my line of work, we happen to be sensitive to words. You know, words are very important. We're speakers, writers, influencers, right? So words um, do have a lot of power for us, as opposed to somebody who's perhaps not so sensitive to the, to the written word or a verse. So uh, my uh, love affair with poetry started when I used bits and pieces of Sufi poetry, whether it's a uh, Punjabi Sufi poet Bulle Shah in some of my uh, presentations with Indian audiences Mm -hmm. or you know Invictus or the Don't Quit poem or William Ernest Henley or other authors uh, during that period of time And I found that, A, it's refreshing for me, and if it's like a 45-minute presentation and we've got something in between uh, that can capture the essence of that entire keynote in one piece of verse, Uh, and I I just started experimenting with that. And I enjoyed it thoroughly because here's what, you know, I believe is um, how the love affair started with poetry, is that if I read it a couple of times, I can actually, I feel I can actually sense the author's Intent or the driving force or his emotions uh, his or her yeah. emotions at that point of time and uh, What I enjoy doing mark is to connect uh, That with something that might be happening uh, Right at this moment so that people can use that piece of poetry mm-hmm. So that it can make sense to them in the current context because some of these poems have been written maybe hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. um, Take for example if I may um, Something by Edmund Vance Cook, a Canadian poet who wrote this beautiful poem, it's called How Did You Die? And I wanted to read out a few lines yes. from that. Did you tackle that trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful? Or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful? Or oh, a troubles a ton or a troubles an ounce? Or a trouble is what you make it. It isn't the fact that you're hurt that counts, but only how did you take it? It isn't the fact that you hurt that count. But only how did you take it now, if we just rewind our entire conversation about our journeys and mindset and you know bouncing back, etc, and I think this just this one paragraph can capture the entire learnings behind it if we were to be sensitive enough to understand what he's trying to say, and that's why I enjoy the most
1: you're, You have such a gift though that when you're, when you're, when you're reciting this poetry, I could feel the thunder in your voice, like it's a vibration. Um, like I said, even, even what I had shared early on, I mean, I've, I've read that before, but hearing your voice, saying it was just, it, it sent a higher level of vibration And just hearing <laughs> that poem right now. Unbelievable. Thank you. Thank <laughs> unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. Um, Can you talk to me, talk to myself and the audience more about neuro-linguistic uh, programming and, and, and how this, I've had a passion for it, but I wanted oh. to uh, hear more from you. Sure, thank you. And this ties
0: in beautifully. And when I was, um, when you were talking about the voice modulation, et cetera, this is the thing that was ringing bells in my mind was NLP um, 2006, um, uh, Mr. Bruce Farrow, company called Help for 2000. They do NLP practitioner programs in the UK. And I was experimenting with additional learning side by side, along with my hospitality career. So I had enough time over the weekend, etc. So me and my wife, we enrolled for the NLP practitioner program and um, that's where I was introduced to storytelling and it was very powerful because we had a a group activity with the cohort where what we had to do was to create three stories and Mm -hmm. we would open one story and leave it right before the climax and then we would begin another story, leave it right before the climax and a third one and do the same and then insert of a main message in between because now we put the listener's mind, uh, you know we have his or her full attention, Right? So it's like oh what happened with that, but I moved on to the next one and the next one And now the brain is in that state of confusion where it's really open And that's where you insert your main message And then when you're done and then you close the loop you close your third story first and then your second story And then the first one so uh, Not There's only do called they have a-
1: reminds me of this <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well something something on those lines Yeah, so you got these multiple stories running at the sure. same time But what we have as influencers and speakers is an open mind, a receptive open mind uh, which is very hard now these days in conference rooms, you know, given the fact people have their phones available and so many other distractions. So it's hard to get their attention. And um, uh, so that's where also I can I credit that program to my um, to the sort of self-discovery that I could be a good public speaker. So after we did this activity, I, had, I you had to write your own stories and share it with the group and over drinks that evening, one of these... Um, fellow participants he came up to me and he said he said i know we were just practicing in there but you were very good you know i personally feel inspired and i feel you have a gift etc etc i hadn't heard these words before in my eight years of you know working in the customer service environments Um, i was i knew intuitively i was very good at solving customer problems Mm -hmm. you know you see how all these things tie in together You, you talked about discovering your purpose earlier so what was i really good at in the eight year stint across the world different cultures solving customer problems you know <laughs> when i was in the uk for four years a lot of my customers would be senior citizens uh, in the property that i was looking after and they would want want to speak to anyone but simerjee right to yeah. get him he's gonna he I, I just want to talk to him that's the, so that's how I, I developed the love and affection for people and um, so that the the self-discovery that i could solve diffuse situations. I could make people feel, feel better about themselves and the challenges that they're facing. I enjoyed people development, you know, if I would hire somebody as a supervisor, I'd say, okay, you got six months, one year to be an assistant manager, etc. It gave me a lot of thrill, a lot of joy. And this came in uh, tied with the NLP. NLP was very powerful. Now, I don't remember, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember everything that I learned um, going back uh, 14 years, but some of the things that stay with you, and I think the things that you practice are the ones that stay with you. So if you or anyone listening, watching to this conversation plans to enroll in NLP or any other self-development program please understand this Uh, if you put stuff into practice whatever you put into practice immediately after the course will stay with you and the rest is going to vanish back into the books and the cassettes and these CDs Um, so voice modulation was one of the things that I learned during the NLP storytelling was another Mm -hmm. and these metaphors and uh, changing your states you know so visualization Um, we did some hypnosis uh, as well and we were introduced to scripts of hypnosis, how, mm-hmm. how language can help other sure. people relax, right? Right. So if you, as you take a deep breath in and maybe you feel your body beginning to relax as you exhale, yeah. and it, these may sound just words, but uh, these words actually have the power of helping someone go into a more relaxed state. And once I discovered
1: it, I was like, wow, this is something I would love to explore wow. more. Yeah. Phenomenal. yeah well <laughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing that um no, thank you as you know i went through more uh you know my research in before the interview so um you said your five odd jobs that taught you the value of hard work uh <laughs> you were a gas station attendant. you've
0: done your research well round of applause uh, round of applause for you mark <laughs> you've uh, done happy, your research right? <laughs> i appreciate that um, i appreciate
1: that uh you were a gas station attendant uh you were uh-huh. a night fill assistant a car washer a banquet server uh-huh. and a security guard yep when, I, when you encompass all five of those together, uh-huh. what was the biggest take home? What was the biggest learning moment for you with those five odd jobs? Oh,
0: number one was uh, self sufficiency, you know, to be able to earn your own money. And that was like, wow, I could actually do that. I could not only earn for myself, support myself, pay the fee for my next semester and you know and do the sort of things that i always wanted to do uh, and that was great i don't have to ask mom and dad for money anymore that was the number one takeaway for me mark and such a huge self-esteem booster it was mm-hmm. that um, you know i've been through some rough patches and if i had to seek help from my parents i would feel uh, you know an attack on my self-esteem at that point of time and that all started at the tender age of 18 or 17 when i started doing all these odd jobs side by side that was the number one takeaway uh, because once you get to that level of, you know, you taste that self-sufficiency, you never want to go back. Um, the, the second was make the best of what you have. That was the second thing. It was like uh, you will not find you could waste time searching for the perfect opportunity because, uh, you, you know, your this whether it's your um, ego or your own image of yourself gets in the way. Uh, So this car washer thing I landed in Sydney Australia 15 days before my university was about to begin and I had these other guys I was staying with I mean, so I stayed home the first day watching TV, you know, just getting over jet lag. And the second day I started getting bored and this guy's wearing an overalls in the morning and he's going somewhere. I said, what do you do? He said, I wash cars. So I asked him the next thing, how much do you get paid? He said like about $12 an hour minus taxes, $10 in hand. I said, well, can you check with them if they need more people? Mm-hmm. So uh, two days later he came back with a pair of overalls for me and, uh, <laughs> and a job. And I had eight days before university would start and I said, why not? Let's show up, let's see what this is. And my friends were joking around. He said, back in India, you would never ever wash, you've never washed your own car. And now you're traveling 45 minutes on a bus and a train and walking 20 minutes to get to a job to wash the cars of other people. I said, well, you know, I gotta have this experience, right? And it's made me who I am today, all all these experiences. Um, So the biggest takeaway is number one, self-sufficiency. Number two, uh, learn to make the best of what you have. And um, I think uh, number three, don't let your ego, or who you are, or where you come from, or what you know, or your degree, or your qualification, get in the way of doing what needs to be done, you know. And that has stayed with me today, even Mark, because all those things are—they uh, mm-hmm. get deeply embedded in you, in in the way you do work. So I'm a very hands—I've been a very hands-on person always in all my different roles. My position, my title, will never get in the way. Uh, from off me rolling up my sleeves and doing what needs to be done in a given situation that those were the biggest takeaways
1: amazing um, you said your five five business leaders or entrepreneurs that inspire you mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go through each one of them and I sure. want to ask you what you know maybe in a, in, a, in a sentence what inspires you about Elon Musk I think his uh,
0: simplicity okay. is, is number one and tied in with his uh, with his daring. So he would, when he first spoke about going to Mars or making humanity a multiplanetary species, um, it was at a conference where you could actually see these smiles, uh, you know, escaping the corners of many of us, the esteemed guests who were sitting at the conference. But Elon, he wouldn't he did not come on stage like a rock star motivational speaker. I am the one who's going to take right. to humanity to Mars. It was so understated. Uh, <clears throat> and yet, that it was coupled with a huge amount of internal conviction. It was like, as if he's sure, as if he's already there, as if he could already see, yeah, yeah, as if he could already see his rockets on Mars uh, and he's just informing the rest of us. (laughs) So that's what I love about Elon, yeah.
1: Um, Azim Premji.
0: Azim Premji, for many of the viewers who might not know, is the uh, one of the uh, top 20 richest people in India and a philanthropist. He's uh, the founder of this company called Vipro. Now, Vipro is a global company. They're into IT. Uh, what I love about him is, again, his humility. Um, it is said that Azim's uh, sons or daughters, I'm not sure, now don't quote me on this one, but uh, one of his uh, children, when they got married, food was served on paper plates on a very small... Ceremony unlike the grand Indian weddings um, elsewhere. So and uh, The the amount of money mark that he's donated to philanthropy um, Which is I know it's it's pretty common in the US and in the West But not in India Uh, And so he's setting that trend for the super-rich to give back to society I love his humility and his philanthropy
1: Um,
0: Howard Schultz Howard Schultz uh, I love his story about uh, so with Starbucks. What I admire about them as a company is how much, how deeply they care about the employees. And they had so many of these schemes coming out, you know, helping even part-time workers with college education. And um, yeah. one of the books that I love and I'd highly recommend to anyone who's who wants to be an entrepreneur or even improve your mindset is Howard Schultz's uh, autobiography of launching the Starbucks business. Part one is called "Pour Your Heart Into It." Um, And part two, I believe, is called Onwards and Forwards. I'm not sure, but part one definitely is called Pour Your Heart Into It. And that uh, sort of documents his story from um, he used to sell appliances. uh, And then he went to Italy and fell in love with the whole espresso thing and wanted to bring it back to the United States. And that's when Starbucks was born the entire journey, which is a very powerful life lessons and business lessons in that. But I do remember... uh, He mentioned something about his father getting injured. while He was working in Bronx or Manhattan or somewhere, and he was not insured. And how his family had to go through a very difficult time just because the the employer had not covered the insurance for his dad. And he took that, uh, I think it left a huge impact on him, and he decided his business policies are going to be very uh, Mm -hmm. pro-staff. So what I deeply admire about him is, he hasn't forgotten where he's come from. He hasn't forgotten the life experiences that he had to go through. A lot of people do. A lot of people forget it when they rise up and when they you know, make their mark on the world, they forget where they came from. Uh, yeah, I admire him for that. Um, mark Zuckerberg. Hmm. Controversial. <laughs> Execution is what I love about Mark Zuckerberg's story. Execution, the whole, whole game. You know, given the controversy and everything, the move fast and break things philosophy at Facebook. Um, the, the, again, you know, whenever somebody's making progress at such breakneck speed, there's going to be uh, gray areas. They'll yeah. walk on. There's going to be controversies. But what I love is the speed. And what I love is that the message for all of us is very clear. Ideas belong to those who execute them. So you've got a wonderful idea. Don't sit on it. You know, work on it.
1: And then it's yours. Um, next one is, uh, and I'm going to butcher the last name, he's uh, an engineer out of India. Um, uh, I can't even read my writing here. E. Uh, uh, e. Sridhar, is it? Yes, that's the one, yes.
0: Okay, so he's he's a metro man of India, Mr. Metruman, e. Sridharan, the, the metro man of India. Uh, he's in his. Uh, I believe in his late 70s now um, again a very humble engineer but with uh, responsible for bringing some of the world-class um, metro projects to the metro train projects the mass transport systems to some of the biggest uh, cities in india and what i admire about him and why he's on this list of my top five which the list is a little bit dated so please forgive me for that but back in the um, back about 10 years when this project was happening in delhi uh, some workers lost their life due to an accident and he uh, offered to resign. His resignation was on the chief minister's table the very next day because he took ownership. I love leaders who take ownership for something like that. you know. So I love leaders who take ownership because that's a rare thing these days. They would usually take credit for everything that's working well and not take the blame for when things are going wrong. And this man, he did it. And uh, to which the chief minister said, no way I'm letting you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he took it to his heart. And I think we need that humane leadership once again. That's why I love him.
1: Um, so like you said, you know, the information I may have got, the, the research may have been a little bit dated. So I know you said five books that have always, uh, taught you something new. Um, so uh-huh. I'll repeat the names, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it a bit. Cause you say mastery by Robert Greene, uh-huh. um, Still there. Schmini, which we talked about, uh-huh. Frankel, Dr. Yep. Yep. the war of art by Stephen, uh, Dressfield, Dressfield, Stephen Dressfield, Yep. Stephen, yep. Yeah, sorry. Um, you said flow, um, was uh-huh. one of them and pour your heart into it which you recommended uh, by howard schultz Yep. okay so as we move forward what are some of your newer favorite books that have sort of are, are teaching where you are today in your season
0: um i, I wouldn't say it's new uh, i've already read it and it's been out for a while it's the 33 strategies of war by again by robert green and okay. although it's about war i think the book teaches us a lot about life in fact the example that i quoted earlier the de- the death ground strategy um, comes from his book, which is put yourself into situations where you know the odds are stacked against you and see you perform like you've never performed before. And of course, that's a, a war strategy, uh, but I believe it's applicable to business and to life for all of us. So 33 strategies for war is one of them that I've been reading. Yeah. Another one that I've been reading by the same author who wrote Flow is um, The Evolving Self. Now, this is these his books. uh, Professor Mihai Chiksamihai. His books are a little bit academic in nature because he's a professor. um, And but once you get past that thing, I think the wealth of wisdom in his research and his examples is phenomenal. And then you can correlate that with uh, everyday life. What else have I been reading apart from those two? Yeah, pretty much. And then I've been I've been doing, uh, it's good to be on the other side of this conversation today, since you're playing the host, I've been hosting a lot of these virtual interactions uh, a lot lately, Mark, they're called the beginner's mind. So in the last month or so, I'll be honest, I haven't done much reading, but I've been listening to all these wonderful guests who've joined us for these virtual conversations, which is great learning, in fact, as well, too. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, When can we expect your book?
0: I don't know yet uh, so here's the thing uh challenge number one you know i'm i don't want to publish a book for the sake of having it on my cv or my website published author right <laughs> we yeah. could i could have very well done it maybe seven eight years ago or a decade ago uh you don't know how it works and uh, so i said no well i would wait until i feel there's some um until i feel the pull is strong enough so um right now when the pull is strong enough i just go in front of the camera and record a youtube video or have a conversation like this and then then it dies down again so i think uh a i would need a world-class editor to you know hold me accountable to certain dates and we could work in tandem where you know so uh, that that's one so i think i haven't paid much attention to that so i'm a single track person so right now The entire focus is on, uh, the entire focus for the last one year has been on virtual keynote speaking, Mark. So, this huge challenge, Feb 2020 was the last last, uh, live presentation that I made in person. And then it's all been virtual, virtual, virtual. So getting used to the world of this lighting and streaming and softwares and cameras and being my own technician and all those things. And although I have a wonderful team, they're very kind, they're very helpful, but uh, this was a new ball game altogether. So getting used to that has been a huge challenge. Took up the vast majority of my time for the last 12 months. and I see some of this will stick around, some of this will enable conversations sure. across the continents like this one right now, which wouldn't have happened if we didn't have lockdowns. Um, so, so yeah, soon I hope,
1: uh, a book soon, yes. I don't know yet, but yeah, soon. When the pull is strong enough. <laughs> pull is strong enough. Um, yeah. you, said, you said a very key word there, accountability. Who holds you accountable?
0: Mm. Hmm, well. Tough one. I usually, I don't think there's any external um, agency, external force, uh, uh, so I know this whole concept about the accountability partner, having an accountability partner, because I attended <coughs> Jack Canfield's Train the Trainer program. Jack is very heavy on having an accountability partner, somebody you could talk to. But, uh, you know, it's it's been going pretty good in terms of this whole systems and processes that we have and this uh, mutual discussions. Um, So who holds me accountable? The voice within um, at the moment which tells me hey you came up with this idea and that was brilliant when you spoke about it you had the spark in your eyes and now you've forgotten all about it so time to take action Um, and then um, as a matter of habit and I learned this from Tony Robbins when I attended his UPW program um, is talk about your future crazy goals no matter how crazy they might be talk about them talk about them to your team to your relatives to your friends Um, And you are creating the death ground strategy for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody's gonna turn around and say what happened with that? You know what happened with your book or what happened with your YouTube channel? When is that coming out? So um, So yeah, the voice within is my number one accountability uh, Accountability partner at this point of time and the sort of um, Execution systems we have in place to convert these ideas into videos and other sort of things Um, So yeah
1: why, like your your trajectory is phenomenal. As I, I've been watching, and it's every day. It's just you're, you're just you're growing and growing and growing. I mean, you are one of the most sought after motivational speakers in India, top ten. Uh, why do you feel you connect? What, what's your connection to people? Why, why, what, what is that gravitational pull in in your growth? Okay. Um... That's my perspective. Now, the audience
0: could tell you theirs. So you know, when people, for my, so my perspective is, I pay a lot of attention to stripping away the jargon from any message.
1: Okay.
0: Conventional wisdom in corporate keynote speaking specifically has been, you know, how many, how many of the tops, top worlds B-schools have you been to? Mm -hmm. I've been to two, I'm I'm Ahmedabad, I'm Lucknow. But then there's a huge, this is what conventional wisdom would say. Mm -hmm. Did you attend the Harvard's Journal Management Program or Stanford's uh, Design Thinking Program, et cetera, et cetera. And then how many of those complex models do you bring in your presentations uh, because you want to tell people, you know, all that you've done, et cetera, et cetera. Now there's another approach, which is the one that I try to follow, which is, can I strip away all the jargon and make it as simple as possible. So even the entry level person in the organization in my audience can understand what I'm trying to say. Even the chauffeur of the organization, of the, of the CEO, can, if he has one, can, can understand, or the security guard, or whoever can understand what I'm trying to say. Hmm. If I can simplify it to that level, and if I can uh, perhaps convey it across maybe through a story or some other way that it sticks. So simplification is one. It sticks is number two. And that's where the poetry comes in. And that's where the stories come in. And that's where all these indirect. And can it be indirect? Can it be subtle? Mm-hmm. So, wow. Okay, we've come up with these three C, three S's now, which wasn't planned. Is it subtle? That was one. Is it simplified? That is two. two. And what was the third one I just said? Simplify, subtle, and stick. Will it stick? Mm-hmm. So, these, these three S's. I just came up with this I love that. <laughs> is sort of yeah these are my criteria when I'm designing a keynote or a message or even a video is mm-hmm. it I mean you know I don't want to I don't want the message to be in, in in their face you know if it's direct they've heard it before sure if it's too direct then maybe they're going to tune off maybe they won't don't like it is it subtle maybe because yeah. all I want my message to do is to prompt introspection once they're finished to say aha maybe you know that question yeah. is lingering on right? right I want to think about it because, let's be honest, we've, we've got access to all these resources. It's not the first time. I'm talking about taking responsibility if I'm on stage, right? They've heard it before in books and seminars, et etc. et cetera. Now, can I present it in a way that it sticks? Can I present it in a way it's simple so the entire organization can understand it? Uh, and can I present it in a way that it is uh, simple? Simple, subtle, sticks.
1: You know, and that's what gravitated me to you. And, you know... <laughs> You like um, brought Mazar in a room like, like we were watching some of the stuff and just, I love those three S's. You said it, that's exactly what it is. And that's mm-hmm. what people need. People need simplicity. They need mm-hmm. subtlety and they need something that's going to resonate and when it resonates, it stays it sticks, you know, made to stick, right? There's a book
0: called Made to Stick, so same philosophy. I love that, the Dan and Heath uh, Chip, the brothers, yeah, wonderful book. And this is the the common misconception about this uh, whole motivational speaking, influencing businesses. I can, you know, by the power of my persuasion, somehow I can persuade other people to change their point of view. I think that's incorrect. Personally, I feel that's incorrect. Uh, People change when they are ready to change, when they are willing to change. All you can do is bring them to that stage of readiness. The Buddhist philosophy stays, says, when the student is ready, the teacher emerges. Of course, Right? So of course. if they're not ready, no matter how passionate your speech is, how powerful your oratory is, you're not going to convince them. So what you can do is to take them to that level where they're now a little open and receptive, and they're looking for the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps
1: your words act as a teacher for them. Right. amazing. Um, as we come to a close here, um, this has just been uh, absolutely, I mean, after this, I'm going to have to go for a long walk into the process. This amazing, amazing, amazing. What I'm just so blessed question. So there's two questions I asked our guests when they come on. So the first one you answered, which is a seven 2 moment. Um, the second question I like to ask is the tombstone question. The tombstone Mm -hmm. question is the day we meet our maker, Mm -hmm. we won't be the ones deciding what's going to be written on our tombstone. What would be written on your tombstone
0: well <clears throat> powerful question um, if you if you're asking uh, how i how, how i would like to be remembered because uh, um well i'm I, I won't be going i won't be having a tombstone as such but what i would like to de- yeah. do is uh, um leave some memories behind in the hearts of people right rather than something etched on a stone uh, is to leave an imprint on uh, you know as many people as i could possibly and when i meet my creator i'd say hey you know um, it's been an interesting journey you sent me down there with a lot of flaws with a lot of weaknesses a lot of imperfections a lot of confusion a lot of internal struggle you put inside my head multiple forces the the good and the bad the distractions and the focus but um and it was all tempting and um but I did the best I could, you know. That I did the best I could in the given circumstances to do whatever I can to fulfill my purpose, which is: can I improve somebody's life even by one percent? And if I can do that for one individual, I think my my task here is complete. It's it's done, and I'm happy and satisfied because that one percent, you know, um, over the course of years, it's going to have a huge impact on somebody else's life. I want to be that person for other people, Mark that I wish I had access to during some of the biggest turmoils of my life. Mm-hmm. When I was alone with all these situations, all these confusions where I needed a mentor, I needed some um, unbiased um, advice and I did not have it. So I had to learn the hard way by making some really stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's, that was God's, God's way of teaching me. Thing, sure. hey you have to go through this lesson practically just like you cannot learn swimming by watching videos <laughs> you will have to go through all of this stuff practically so what I would like my legacy to be Mark is um, is to be that that this this person Simarjit Singh was was able to be that people person for others that he wish he had access to mm-hmm. when he was going through some of the difficult times in his life. And I just want to be that person for young people, for senior citizens, for people here in India, for people across the world, because we, at the end of the day, we're all facing similar challenges. You know, sure. we may look and sound different, we may have different um, superficial uh, things might be different, but at the core, all of our challenges are, are the same. If you allow me, I'd like to uh, read a poem now, now that we talked about Legacy sure. and Tombstones. It's by Mary Elizabeth Fry, and uh, it's called Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep. Do not stand at my grave and weep, I'm not there, I do not sleep. Do not stand at my grave and weep, I'm not there, I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow, I am the diamond glints on snow, I'm the sun on ripened grain, I'm the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken in the morning's hush, I am the swift, swift, uplifting rush of quiet birds encircled circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I'm not there, I did not die. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I'm not there, I did not die. Mary Elizabeth Frey. And I think a powerful reminder that although these bodies vanish and merge back with the five elements in the Indian philosophy, we believe in the five elements, the body goes back to it, it's fashioned from five elements returns back to the five elements um, so this body is nothing more than a, gar- not a garment than a piece of clothing that the soul has been wearing on an eternal journey mm-hmm. and now that we have the opportunity to use it in some powerful way i urge everyone who's listening to this conversation make the best of your god-given potential you don't want to end on your end up on your deathbed re- regretting I had the opportunity to change this. If only I could have done this, because that regret is going to be so very painful.
1: Absolutely. Very, very powerful. Um, how can how can people reach out to you? How can people follow and just continue being inspired by you?
0: I think one of the best ways where we're working very hard right now is our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Simmerjeet Singh, spelled as S-I-M-E-R-J-E-E-T Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Uh, That's where all the videos come out. Now you'll have to make a little bit of an effort, we're putting out a lot of effort, a lot of uh, material both in English and in Hindi, but you will see the titles will reflect that. Uh, So if your first language is not Hindi and you'd like to watch content exclusively in English, we have plenty of videos on that too. And our team is working very hard to segregate and create playlists and all that, but that's where... Um, we're putting out a lot of content at the moment, Mark. And then my website, which will lead viewers to, you know, all the social media links and I think, which is com, will lead them to Facebook and
1: LinkedIn, Twitter and other places. Fantastic. Uh, this has been so profound. I want to say thank you so much. And I want to tell you that I, I have these seven two hats and I actually have oh, a link to you. Uh, and oh, thank you. Says, Mindset is everything. Um, Fantastic, I'd love to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for, for your time um yeah i'm going to be going uh, for a meditative walk and just taking it all in because this was uh just so profound and it was well, i was very ex- excited about about our conversation leading up to it but i'm completely mind blown to the level you took it so thank you well
0: thank you thank you so much i think the credit also goes to you and asking these thought-provoking questions and being a wonderful host and thank you to you too for doing the amazing work That you're doing. I'm sure a lot of people will be inspired by this content, by this particular piece, and others that you put out there. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that.